0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast called Boundaries in Relationships. Father, we thank you that you are worthy of all adoration. You are worthy of all glory, of all praise. Father, as we have spent a moment with family and friends, as we're in this season of thankfulness, Father, we have so much to be thankful for our redemption, that we're blood-bought people, that we have hope, that we have a future. And Father, as we head into the season of Christmas, that we would begin to look in expectation for what you're doing, for what you've done, remembering. And God, that we know that because of the cross, because of Christmas, because of this divine heavenly invasion that you gave us jesus born as a baby unto a virgin god that we can experience your presence we can honor you with our lives we can have purpose calling and that we can bring the kingdom of heaven into the earth so father we thank you that you are empowering us that you are with us we lift our hands right now and we just ask for the holy spirit to rest upon us. We thank you that he's here. Father, as we're in this series on margin, understanding what our limit and what our load is, God, that we would make space, that we would prepare, that as we go into the, uh, look at the patristic calendar of what Christmas is, that it's a season of Advent where there is an expectation of looking for you. So Father, we wanna clear some space So that we can boldly, clearly look for you. That we can be reminded of the simple things you're doing. But also the purpose that you have in our life. So Father, we open up our hearts this morning. We open up our minds and we open up our hands to say, come Lord Jesus. Do whatever you want to do. We are your vessels. We are your people. This is your church. And we thank you that you're building your church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against any child of God. So Father, we thank you for Holy Spirit empowerment. We honor you, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. 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 Well, God bless you. You can be seated. So thankful you're here and thankful for just that moment of worship. Just never want to underappreciate our worship team for the time, the effort, the care that you put into leading us into the presence of God. And uh, I pray that you appreciate them And love them As all of them are servant volunteers They give of their time, their energy, their gifts uh, To lead us in the presence of God GPC kids, you guys are dismissed as well You guys are going to have a blast Alice and Andrea and Kendra have a great schedule This is your last week Before you jump into uh, your Christmas lesson as well They're going to have a four week series Going through Christmas Understanding the story of Christmas So we are um, glad for them and the service that they have. Well, is everyone full? Everyone have a good Thanksgiving. Everyone enjoy family time. If you got to travel, you made it back safe. Um, always a crazy time of year, but a good time of year. Reconnecting um, with family and and I think ever since COVID and we saw everything slow down, uh, we were essentially given permission. Uh, To slow down. Now, some of you, you revved up, you did not slow down um, in certain facilities and and different places of work. But um, really, the heart of this series is to remind you once again that you have permission to slow down, you have permission to take time to rest. Um, And understanding that rest isn't just um, going to a place in your mind where you block out everything that's important or you numb yourself, but it's resting in the person of Jesus, growing in your relationship with God, making the presence of God a priority through his word, through his worship, and with his people. Um, And last week we talked about, and I introduced um, this topic of margin, that we want to live an unhurried life. And when we're living an unhurried life, we're at our best, that the best things that will happen in your life will always happen within the margins. And that's just not financially, financially, But that's relationally, um, that's spiritually, that you've blocked out time today to focus on your soul, to focus on your spirit, man, uh, to focus on your relationship with God and to be around um, God's people. We know it says in Hebrews that even don't forsake the assembling of yourself together as the day um, draws near. I even put this up, Tim, if you would put it up. Um, This is where I I really want to go this morning. And it's Ephesians five fifteen through 16. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We know we live in a fallen world. We live in um, the spaces and places that as we bring the kingdom of God in, what God does in you and then he does through you is he wants to redeem what's around you. Now, we just took a moment. We prayed for our families. All of us have family members that, Maybe you're far from God, aren't in relationship with God. Well, when we take moments to just gird up our family, to pray for our family, to intercede for our family, we're believing that God can do a miracle in the space of our family. But it's someone somewhere has to be praying. Now, I'm thankful that all the pressure doesn't fall on us to reach our family or to reach people. That's through the Holy Spirit's leading, and there's a sensitivity that has to be developed with the Holy Spirit, knowing when to say, where to say, how to approach in grace and in truth, um, and just being in rhythm with him, not running in front of him. We talked about last week that when you put margin in your life with God, you're not running in front of him, you're not running behind him, but you're in this place where you can look north, south, east, and west, and you have availability, that you're not put all the way to the end um, where you're on the fringes of your limit, that margin, uh, if you put it up, is simply just a reminder. It's it's knowing the difference between your load and your limit. And when you get to the edge of your limit, yes. your load will push you off, and then you will be rushed. You'll be hustling. You'll be out of sync and out of pace when you're when you've gone beyond your limits. And so we see that margin just isn't some cute little term or some new way of thinking, but it, it's very biblical. And we see from especially in the Old Testament, you'll see time and time again um, of why God gave the 10 commandments was he said, do this and you'll live. That if you apply these principles in your life, then they're going to be a blessing to you and not a burden to you. That time is the precious gift we have. We can always get more money. We can always um, work on our health, but we can never get time back. That it's the most precious gift we're given. And I was even thinking of one of the best gifts, especially as a parent, that you can be given is just simply time. Time to yourself. Time uh, with your spouse. Isn't that one of the most precious gifts you can be given? Don't eat, keep the gift cards. Just give me, give me some time. And you're going to bless me. Um, so we, we talked of last week, too, that uh, Moses said in Psalms 90, that teach me to number my days so that I may have a heart full of wisdom. That when we live knowing um, really our boundaries, knowing the uh, purpose of time, how time works, stewarding our time, that there's a wisdom that comes of how we're to steward it and walk in it. And that time would be a blessing to you, not be a robber to you. And so we talked of Job. There's this great example of Job, Job 9.25. It said, as Job was experiencing the bad end of time, it says that now my days are swifter than a runner. They flee and they see no good. I think we all are there in seasons of our life where we experience what Job did, where we, we're not maybe seeing good with our time. We also said how busyness is not a condition, it's a choice. We love to say, oh, how, how's it going? How's, how's life? We love to say, we're, oh, I'm busy. Well, I think we can all agree that we are all busy, but busyness is a choice. We choose to be busy. We said, too, that busyness is not a bad thing. Jesus was busy, but he was about his father's business, so his priority of his busyness was healthy and effective, not just running to what's urgent all the time, but running to what is important. Importance and being urgent is is two different things. And so we want to steward our time to, to save it for that which is important, not just that which is always urgent. Busyness also finds its root in fear. And margin is an exercise in trust and an exercise in faith. So I wanted to bring you up to speed. And and this morning I want to talk about and kind of close this little two-week mini-series and get into um, really Christmas for the next few weeks. But I want to talk about today of how we have um, boundaries in our relationship. As we're talking of margin, one of the most life-giving or the most life-stealing things is our relationships. And they can either be life-giving or life-draining. Somebody said, "Amen." So the Bible, Jesus is full of how we can do relationships well, how we can do them right, how we understand authority, how we understand how to be under authority, how we understand to be in authority. Um, This isn't really a message on authority, but it's it's understanding where and how we can put boundaries in our life um, so that we can have margin and the load of our relationships doesn't exceed our limit. Does that sound good to anybody? Yeah. And we need to understand the, this healthy dance, this rhythm that we're to be in with all the different relationships. Now, if you're married and you're a parent, that's usually the place those relationships take the majority and the bulk of your time. And if you're here at church on Sunday, you're making time for church family relationships, you have extended family, and it can be very difficult how to maneuver and how to manage Our relationships that God has given us. But I want you just to simply see through God's word that there is light at the end of of the tunnel, that there is life-giving relationships that God has for you, and that you can be one who gives life, that you can do your part and know the boundary, and then the person on the other side of the boundary does their part, and then it's life-giving, not just one-way relationships. Anybody ever been in a one-way relationship where you give, 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 and they take, 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 take? Uh, those are life-draining relationships. But there is a healthy place um, to have these boundaries. And I, I want to define literally what boundaries means. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Uh, Tim, if you would put this up, but it, it's boundary is simply defined as this. It's an area of responsibility. That when you put a boundary, you're saying that everything behind this boundary is my area of responsibility. And when you think about um, a boundary um, my brother Clay and uh, some of his guys are here Brandon, Dylan uh, you guys work backyard renovations they, Clay uh, is always putting up fences and all the wonderful fencing Brandon, Dylan, Clay, Caleb all these guys um, worked on all the fencing donated a lot of their time uh, to do all the the beautiful fencing on our property and when I, when I think about just a shameless plug there appreciate you guys Um, but when I think about a boundary as I think about a fence and when you guys go to do fences, you never do a fence and you don't put some, you don't put a gate, right? You, you do a fence and there should be some gate where you can go in and where you can go out. You never just do a fence with no point of, of access where you can, you can't get in and out. And see, when you think of boundaries, it's saying, I'm not going to be, um, When I put a boundary up, I'm never not going to put a gate, but I'm always going to make sure there's a way to get in and a way to get out. Um, But on the other side, when you're building a fence, you never build a fence where it's just all gates, where anything and everything can get in. So a a boundary is a well-built gate that keeps things out, and it also keeps things in. But you're not so closed off that you never have a gate, and you're not so open where you're just your life is completely open and you say everything you, you feel and and you live your truth. All these things, um, but there's healthy boundaries you put up so that you can be a blessing to those around you. And as as that other relationship has healthy boundaries, then it becomes a blessing to you. So I want, I want you just to picture that. Is that We all have fences and we all have areas of responsibility. And if we handle our area of responsibility well, then the relationships in our lives will be blessed and you'll experience the fullness of what God has designed for our relationships uh, to be. Proverbs 4.23 says this, we know it. It says, keep guard of your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. I wanna say this is, what comes out of my heart, I'm responsible for. What comes out of your heart, you're responsible for. See, many times we we get hurt or we get offended. Someone wrongs us. Say a coworker is mean to you, and it was their fault. And then out of them trespassing, um, then it comes to you of how am I going to react? Many times, in the heat of the moment, we feel justified in our reaction or in our anger, or getting bitter because of what just happened to us. But here's the biblical way to think about this, and it's not easy: is when we're done wrong and it's their fault, their how I respond is not on them, but it's on me. See, many of us live environments, or work environments, or family environments where kind of you get maybe you get hit several times a week. And you've got to learn how to bridle. You've got to learn not to necessarily give them a pass on what just happened, but in the moment not respond out of anger, frustration, hurt, unforgiveness, or just reacting to the moment. But it's taking a step back and saying, you know what, I have healthy boundaries in my life, so when I step into these kind of relationships or moments, or maybe you're a leader and you have to confront and no leader ever likes to confront. But when we do it the way Jesus did in grace and truth, there is grace to do it well. Um, but you, there's a, a right way and a wrong way to do anything. And my goal is, and, and we were talking about this over Thanksgiving, is there's always there's always simple things you can do, choices you can make to make your life better. And, and what are those simple choices that we can be doing that... Uh, in a a marriage relationship, if my wife is doing things to sharpen her fence, right? And I'm doing things to sharpen my fence or to build it right, to build it right, then it's going to be life-giving between the both of us. And we're making better choices. Our relationship is getting better. It's healthy. It's life-giving. I also want to say it like this too, is of when you think about boundaries and relationships is I'm not responsible for others but I am responsible to others. And and I want to break that down, what that means, Well, Paul has two scriptures he says in Galatians of what it looks like to be not responsible for others, but being responsible to others. And I think many of us, we live as I have to carry the weight of the world of my family and my scope of my church family, making sure everything is good, everyone is okay. But again, the heart of these last two weeks is that you would take a load off. You would know where your limits are and that you can get healthy from how you spend your time. And today, the boundaries you're putting in your relationship so that you can honor God, you can honor one another. And that boundaries aren't saying I'm off limits. It's saying, these are are things I have to do because we all have an emotional life, right? We all have emotional health. And many times we don't steward our emotional health well. Uh, it's just like, um, on an airplane, what does the flight attendant always say? Put your oxygen mask on before you place it on your child or the person next to you. Many times we'll put the oxygen mask on everybody before we take care care of ourselves. And so again, you have permission to take care of your emotional health before you take care of somebody else's. Because if you're taking care of your emotional health or your mental health, then you're going to be able to be a blessing To those around you not a a feeling like you've been so at your your wick end that you've been so pulled from that you've been so mismanaged because just like a good company can be managed well your emotions can be managed poorly or they can be managed well and from my experience i've been in seasons we've all been in seasons usually we manage our emotions they get put on the back end just because we're getting stuff done we're taking care of the load we're doing everything we know we have to do that is is being pulled on us, that then when we get in a moment, we're sharp, we're edgy because we've not managed our inner life well, our soul well, our emotions well, our spiritual life well. And so when we're talking of boundaries, it's putting things in so that you don't get to your wicks in, that you have boundaries or thresholds or triggers that you know, that you listen to by the word of God, by the spirit of God, so that you stay spiritually healthy, relationally healthy, and emotionally healthy. This is what the heart of of today is. You know, there's also two different um, two different ways of thinking, and um, there's a great book I want to recommend by uh, Doctor Henry Cloud, and it's called it's simply called Boundaries. That's where a lot of these uh, topics are coming from, and it and, it's, and it goes in depth of how um, to really. Do this and to do it well and build relationships well in your life I can remember I read it in a college course and have always referred to it and 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 go back to it um, but when you think about um, someone who is avoidant someone who is avoidant is the person who has no gates on their fence that they've been hurt they've been had some traumatic experience as a child maybe in a relationship, and so they become very Avoidant or even non-responsive where they may seem like a really good listener, but really they don't trust anybody. They don't let anyone in and they stay very closed off and they just become very avoidant. Um, You also go on the other side. This is the person who has all the gates is one who is compliant. They're one who shares how they feel. You know exactly where they are all the time. They process verbally on everything. Um, And they're just very open, uh, and they could use uh, a couple gates in their life because they're usually overshares or they overdo their emotions. Um, So really you have both extremes of someone who is um, avoidant, someone who is compliant. And when you put a boundary, and and there's times you can even be both. I think there's times we we have experienced where we're both in our life. But when you put a boundary, you say, you know what, I'm not going to be on that extreme. I'm not going to be on this extreme. I'm going to be right here in the middle of having boundaries where I'm not so closed off all the time. I'm living life. I'm enjoying the relationships that God's put around me. And then I'm also not going to be so open that I cross boundaries and thresholds that aren't healthy in relationships. Um, So that's really, again, what the purpose of um, a boundary is. Look what Scripture says, uh, Galatians 6, 2. And this goes back to of how we're not responsible for others, but we're responsible to others. And these two scriptures can seem, um, they can seem contradictory. You ever read something Jesus says to, uh, you know, to, to, or like scripture says, to do justice Then you read where Jesus says to turn the other cheek. And if you don't understand the right context, you can miss really what's saying it seems like, well, scripture just said this, but then I just read this. And what am I supposed to do with the middle? I feel perplexed and confused. Um, Well, this is kind of one of those things, but it says to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So we know it, the basic understanding of our Christianity, of our walk with God is that there is a part of where to, to come alongside and to bear others' burdens. When we see someone struggling, we see someone in need, we see someone under the weight um, of life or uh, walk through maybe a season of of death in their family or the highs and lows of life, wherever there may be a burden, as the body of Christ, we're called to care and to love and to serve one another. And it says, doing so, you fulfill the law of Christ. So this is really a, a powerful scripture and a powerful command. look what it says a couple scriptures later Uh, Galatians 6 5 it says for each one shall bear his own load isn't that perplexing like what am I supposed to do with that I was just told to bear one another's burdens then it said I'm supposed to bear my own load well when you begin to look and and you just begin to break down I want to look at the difference between what is a burden and then what is a load because they're two very different things. I think this can even speak into um, the current context and the landscape of just the the work uh, force, the work labor, the labor shortage issues, uh, because we're not understanding the difference between a burden and a load that as uh, humanity, as citizens of America, that we're all called to carry a certain load, right? Uh, but when you look at what a burden is, I want to describe it this way. Just picture someone trying to move a boulder, right? It's something that is is immovable um, by yourself. And so when someone comes to the place of of carrying a burden that they can't move by themselves, and say there were a thousand people carrying something extremely heavy, and as people started to leave underneath this massive log, for example, then the load or the burden would continue to get heavier and heavier and heavier as people exited out. Well, that's essentially um, what this means is that there are certain burdens, just like um, understanding how, how God created his church is that the church is incarnational, that it's just not a spiritual setting, right? But he gives us things that are physical and tangible that illustrate and that represent Our faith or our relationship with God. It's just like we can't fully experience the fullness of God if we make ourselves an island and we never engage in relationship because the heart of the gospel is engaging in relationship, engaging with people. And if you put that dimension out, you're not going to experience the fullness of relationship with God where you can just say, you know what, I got my Bible, I have Jesus, I'm good, I don't need anybody else. People are dangerous, people are hurtful. If you have that mindset, you're on a slippery slope of making yourself an island and you're going to miss the fullness and the purpose of how it's lived out in relationship. But when you think about a burden, it, it, it's something that one person can't carry. And we see this even illustrated as I was just studying texts and stories of the Bible. Um, we actually can see this in the, the story of the Good Samaritan. Um, and if you don't know it, it's simply there's Uh, A man who was on a trail, he was robbed and beat up, left in a ditch, and couldn't pick himself up. And it says that three visitors came. The first was a priest who you would think would do something but did nothing. The second uh, was a Levite who did nothing. And then it said there was this Samaritan who came who was moved by compassion. And it says he bends down and he begins to see that there is a great burden that this man cannot handle or be cared for himself. Look what it says in Luke 10:34. It says, so he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. So he's engaging in this man's burden. Verse 35, it says, on the next day, when he departed, he took, he took money, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him and whatever you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. What I want you to see is kind of the process of the burden. Is that many times when we engage in someone's burden, we feel we can never exit out of the burden. That we're kind of committed to this burden for life or for the season. But we see kind of point blank, cut and dry, that he did what God led him to do. And then what do you see at the beginning of 35? It says that he departed. So he engaged in the burden. And then he essentially left money, he delegated it to the innkeeper and said, I'll be back. So you just see this, this healthy rhythm of engaging in a burden, not going all in, headstrong, not even filling. Um, it'll say with, with the person who is compliant, um, when you're in, maybe in a season or a stage or, or an emotion of being compliant, is that you, you wanna please people. And so when you wanna please people, if if you take yourself as the Samaritan here, is that um, you do it out of not love, but out of guilt. And see, there's a difference. There's many times we do things thinking that we're doing it out of love, but maybe if we check our motive a little deeper, it's out of guilt of, I know this is the right thing to do, but have I am I being motivated by love in the situation? And so when we see here, we see, just the process of engaging in a burden, but not engaging in it to then where it becomes all of your burden, then it, that burden weighs you down. And then areas of your other relationships from your kids um, to your spouse. See, there's, there's this fine line I know in what I do, is that if there are so many burdens I engage in, I only have so much time. And so at the, at the benefit or the blessing of helping somebody else's burden, saying yes to that, When I say yes to that, I'm saying no to time with my kids at night or time with my wife. So there's this healthy balance of I got to know what's healthy for us and then the time I can have allotted to engage in someone else's burden. And that's the same with all of us because when we say yes to help, 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 and do, 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 and to care, 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 then usually we're saying no to something else. So what are you saying no to? And if you can live with what you're saying no to, then by all means say yes, engage, but do it like the Good Samaritan did and have a plan as you're engaging in that burden. So that's a burden. Uh, Next is a load. So we know the burden. A load is something like carrying the weight of what you would put in a backpack. So it's something we carry day in and day out. Um, It's something we carry to get up on time and get to work on time to do our job to feed our family to pay our taxes um, to show up to church it's things that shouldn't be a burden but they're a load but mismanaged we can complain and cry like they're a burden right Um, but there's this place of understanding like Paul said is everyone has to carry their own load and as you begin to mature in Christ, you begin to see the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to handle your load and to carry your load. And just in my humble, honest opinion, we can see where the load of what each person is supposed to carry is attacked and a spirit of entitlement to come and say, why should I have to carry that load? You should carry that load. Versus If we're all carrying our load, then those that have a burden, then we can freely engage and help those who really have the burden because you're carrying your load, I'm carrying my load. We're all doing our part as the body of Christ. So when a burden comes up, we can engage it and attack it and dissolve it quickly because we're doing our job and doing um, our part. We see this in how Jesus even handled it. And when you think of Jesus, when you think about the miracles of Jesus, When you read a miracle, I remember I heard this. When you read a miracle that he performed, you usually see a miracle that he didn't do at the same time. That how many times, and we're going to look at it just very quickly, is when he would feed, uh, you know, the fish and the loaves and did the miracle and fed, there was a time where he said, I'm cutting it and I'm leaving and I'm going to another town. So when he says that he departed and went to another town, he was leaving a lot of hungry, thirsty people behind. And so was Jesus mean to those people or did he know his limit or know what his purpose was in that and then had to leave even though there was people saying, we finally just got here, we traveled two days, we heard there was this miracle of, of loaves and fish being multiplied. Did we miss the miracle? Where the heck is Jesus? We got here, we were hungry, we were ready to eat. And so when you see it, he does miracles but then there's also people who don't experience the miracle. So how do you, what do you do with that? How do you wrestle with that? Look what John 5, 7 through 8, this is where he did do a miracle. And it's the man at the, uh, the pool of Bethesda. And um, this man was sick year after year after year. And he would wait for a moment um, that the waters of the pool would be stirred. And that if he were to get in the water, that he were to be healed. That's how this, this pool would work. And if you read back in to John chapter 5, you'll see that all the sick people were around this pool. So there was a lot of sick people. So Jesus going in to this setting of a lot of sick people, why did he just choose one person to heal? Or at least one person that we know about. Wouldn't you think if he was going to a pool of hundreds of sick people, he would heal more than maybe just one person? But this is all we know of of what he does. And it says that um, the sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool When the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And what did Jesus say to him? Take up your load, rise up, take up your bed, and walk. Pastor Joyce has taught on this for years. If you'll do what you know you need to do in the natural, God will do the supernatural. It's a principle he gives us that if we're carrying our load, not sitting around waiting for God to do a miracle, being lazy, In our walk with God, but when we're taking steps of faith every day, we're trusting and honoring God, we're being obedient, we're walking in humility not that everything is is hinged on that but you're being uh, you're trusting in the providence of God because the providence and sovereignty of God can supersede anything and everything but in the middle, we've got to trust God somewhere and have faith to get up and to do in the natural and trust God that he can do the supernatural, so he took (coughs) his load, he did what Jesus said, he did what was asked of him in the natural, and God did the supernatural in his life, so I, I want you to see the difference between a burden and a load, and some of you, some of us engage in all of these burdens, we don't know how to pull out at a healthy time, um, and we don't know how to delegate, we don't know how to surround people around us that can help with a big burden, and when, if you don't do that necessary, if you don't do that, then it's to your detriment or to those in your circle and in your sphere. Um, And it's not that, oh, well, I'm carrying a burden, I'm doing something wrong. It's just there's always a better way to do something. And if we can take the biblical approach, it can be a blessing to you and not overburden you or to weigh you down. Two myths, and then I want uh, to take a time to worship, is two myths that I think we see when we're setting boundaries. Number one is this. Is if I set boundaries, I will hurt the people that I care about. See, sometimes we can think, well, people have to have all open access to my life, to my money, to whatever care and need they have. Uh, but we know that we're actually, one of the best things we can do with the people in our life is to set boundaries. One of the best things I pray that you would do if I was walking toward the edge of the stage and about to fall, that you would shout, shout out, back up, you're about to fall. I don't care how mean it sounded. I'm just glad that you yelled at the top of your lungs because I could blow an ankle if I fall off the stage. Um, So there is a way to set boundaries that in the moment it might hurt, but it's out of a a heart of love you're doing it to secure and to set up those relationships to be life-giving, not to where maybe there's someone in your family that knows that only comes around when they have a need And because that's how that relationship is, when they have a need, that's when you hear them call or that's when you hear them ask for a little something, something, right? (laughs) But outside of relationship, see, there's a healthy place that in relationship that can be free flowing and free giving. But when you don't have those boundaries and your relationship is hinged on when you need something, then that's one of those taking relationships, Jesus did this. It says that immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. And this is where we see him. It says that he sent the multitudes away in Matthew 14, 22. So we see that he left the multitudes. Many times we see he left the multitudes to go pray, to be silent, to get with his father. So he would disengage from people. I'm sure people rejuvenated him, but there was a time that people became draining, so he had to get away to get rejuvenated and then to go and re-engage. We see in in Mark 1, uh, 35 as well, it says that um, he said, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also because for this purpose I have come forth. So he knew his limit, that his load was done there, and because Jesus had great margin in his life, he was able to exit and go into the next town and be effective there. Because think if he gave everything here and he were to walk tired into there, would they get the best of what he, God was asking him to give? Probably not if he was, I mean, he's Jesus, but you catch what I'm talking about. Myth number two is this, is if I help one, I have to help all. I think this is a tough one. Is that if I help one family member, do I have to help another family member? If I help this person this way, do I have to help that person that way? Um, that there can be this, this myth of equality with how I, I handle at each and every situation. But what we, the Jesus way of handling things is not necessarily equality all the time, but it's with truth and it's with Grace. Because when you handle it with truth, you bring it to, okay, what's the reality of the situation? I'm gonna approach it in grace and let's handle it accordingly. Not just, this is what I did over there, so this is what I have to do over here. He equally loves us all the same, but how he handles Woody, probably handles me a little differently because he knows me. Me and Woody are different people. We're in the same body of Christ, but Woody's got a different personality. He's got different emotions. So he knows that I probably need a little more truth in this time or would he may need a little grace and vice versa. So it's all the same principle, but how he handles can be different. Galatians 1.10 says this, and this is always a good reminder, for I do for do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. And this is where as we're setting boundaries, It's so that we can be sensitive and God leading us of you're to help this person in this moment, in this time. Think of it this way. There's times we pass um, homeless people on the side of the street and this is a big time of year where you see people in need of help. We see the season of it's cold and and men and women and families need shelter. And if you get double-minded about it, well, if I help this person, then am I convicted I have to help every person where if everyone carries their load and everyone just helps one person, then look how many people together we can help. But really, it's, it's, it's taking the conviction of the Holy Spirit in the moment. Has there ever been a time where, I know it has with me, where I didn't roll down my window. I'll take a moment and pray, am I, am I to bless this person or to help this person? And then there's been other times where I feel that conviction and I roll my window down and help say a, a word of encouragement and, and lend a helping hand. That's kind of my lens and my process. But it's having that relationship with God where you can be sensitive to the Spirit's leading of this is where I'm supposed to help and how I'm supposed to help. And in that, there can be freedom to move and to trust God in that. That's just one example. You can take that principle into all relationships in your life of being open to how the Holy Spirit is leading you to engage in that relationship. Um, because relationships can get sticky. Relationships are all different, and we need the Spirit of God to lead us in our engagement with relationships that he's put in and around our life. Um, so I pray this, this message has encouraged you. I pray you see the difference between uh, a, uh, some margin where you know your load and your limit, where you know the difference between a load and a burden. And that as you walk circumspectly in these evil days, you can do it, not one who is foolish, but one who is wise. If you stand, I want to pray for you this morning. I want to take a moment just to worship and allow the blessing of God. And I want you to posture yourself. I want you to just ask the Holy Spirit, because he's speaking and, and touching different things, of, where are some burdens that you're carrying? that you need to lay down. Maybe there's places in your life where you've dropped your load, you need to put it back on and to keep walking, keep trusting God for his empowerment. But we all know there are, there are burdens we're helping in and there's burdens we have. The best person to transfer our burdens to is the person of Jesus, we know this. It says in scripture that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So Jesus, we thank you this morning for your presence, that we can transfer our load to a good dad, to a good father, that when we bring our need, when we bring our wants, our desires, you love us enough to listen to us, you empathize with us, but then as we open your word, you give us solution, you give us instruction, you give us wisdom of how we're to move forward. Father, I pray this morning that we can move forward past our burden, that we can engage in other burdens in a healthy manner in a healthy perspective, that we can love those in our life but make room for those coming into our life as well. Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you that you can heal our minds. You can heal our anxiety. You can heal um, any anything where we've been at fault or someone's been at fault with us. Father, we just forgive anyone or anything or any situation. We know that forgiveness always unlocks healing. So right now we just posture ourselves to forgive. Maybe where someone's burden had crushed us and we don't know how to move forward from that. Whatever the situation is, God knows. But we just transfer the burden right now. And Father, as we worship and as we ask for this blessing, that we not transfer a burden of shame to the next generation or a burden of guilt or a burden of, of wrong identity, a burden of what we comes out of our mouth of how we talk to other people or how we talk to our children. But God, that it would be blessing that comes forth and that the burden lifter would come right now, the Spirit of God, We thank you, Jesus, that you would heal us right now as we transfer the burden to you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope and pray that it blessed you and strengthened your walk with Christ. Have a wonderful week.